James. We're going to step out of it for the next two Sundays. And I want us to look at this idea of, of purpose. It's been something I've been just ruminating on, something that I've been reflecting on, reading, uh, understanding this question of what on earth am I here for? Maybe that kind of stemmed out of last year when I turned 40. Uh, the entire pastoral team here threw me a funeral. <laughs> Not kidding. Uh, they dressed in black. They wheeled me into the fireside room in a wheelchair. They fed me egg salad sandwiches and date squares, and I had the greatest midlife crisis you could ever ask for. But I want to wrestle with that question a bit, understanding that what is my purpose, and how do I figure out my purpose, and what do I do with it? And regardless of where we are at in our life's journey, I feel that this is an important question that we still need to be asking this morning. So let me pray. Lord, we do ask for your wisdom this morning, that you would speak to us, that you would meet us where we were at, but again, because of your great, great love, draw us deeper and closer to know you more, to know your purpose and your plan, your will for our lives. And so speak, Father, that we would hear from you, that these would be your words. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If I were to ask you, what is the second most popular verse searched on Bible Gateway, what would you think it would be? Now, I bet you could probably guess the first one. If you think of what would be the number one verse searched on Bible Gateway, that would be, yeah, John 3.16. But what would be the second most popular verse search? Jeremiah 29.11. Maybe not a surprise for many of you, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. If I asked you to guess what the third most popular verse search was on Bible Gateway, what do you think it would be? How about this, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his what? According to his purpose. There's that word. So in the early 2000s, a book was released. Uh, perhaps many of you have read it. It was one of the most widely read and touted books of kind of the early new millennia. Uh, anyone care to wager what this massive, earth-shattering book was that was released in the early 2000s? Purpose Driven Life went on to sell over 50 million copies. 50 million copies. That is on par with classics like Anne of Green Gables and Charlotte's Web. It has done better than any other book in Christian genre, and that is just an absolutely unbelievable number to even wrap your head around. That is enough for every single person in the country of Canada, and enough left over to give some to our brothers and sisters in Washington, Idaho, Montana, and Alaska, just for good measure. There was a survey done as well a number of years ago looking uh, through the Barna Group, asking a number of pastors and ministry leaders what was one of the most influential books that they had read in the recent decade. And again, this was the book, The Purpose Driven Life, that came out that was answered more often than any other book outside of the Bible itself. There's a good answer. But again, it gets us asking this question, what on earth am I doing here? Helping us wrestle with this question is one of the things I want to do this morning, and we're going to look at it again next Sunday as well, so I've kind of broken this up into two parts, but can I be honest with you for a moment? I want to kind of get something off my chest, and here it is. It's something that I, I kind of struggle with, and maybe you do too, so you can, you, know, you can relate with me. It's this 
conversation I think we as parents have had, and some of us still do have with our kids, and it's this conversation where we say to them, you can do and you can be anything you want to. And I struggle with this, and I'm not going to lay judgment if you've used this with your kids, that's okay. But I struggle with this for a minute because if I willed and really, really wanted with all of my heart and all of my strength to be a horse jockey, it's not going to happen. And if I had told my parents the entirety of my childhood growing up that I want to be a horse jockey when I grow up, you know what? It's not going to happen. Do you know what the average height and weight is of a horse jockey? 5'2 and 110 pounds. This is not going to work. If I got up on that horse, you know what that horse would do? It would turn around and look at me like, mm -mm, this is not working. Me and you is not going to happen. You can get off right now. There's no way that that was going to happen. And the reason I struggle with this is because I think as parents, we want to help our kids to develop this sense of, of aspiration to understand what it is is their purpose. But I believe that we need to do so first and foremost from a biblical perspective. One of the things that I'm really good at and one of the things I've learned in my purpose is that I'm really good at drinking coffee. Believe it or not, I know, that somehow God has created me with an incredible metabolism to be able to pull a double shot of espresso at 9 p.m., and my head can still hit the pillow at 10, and I'm out like a light. Okay, I'm kidding. No, I'm not. But what is our purpose? Drinking coffee is not my purpose. Horse jockeying is not my purpose. What is our purpose? In a few moments, at the end of our message this morning, we are going to spend some time in Q&R. I would love to unpack this with you. And so, for those of you who are watching on our live stream, for those of you who are here, uh, you can text or email ask at westviewchurch.ca. We want to be able to wrestle with this. You can send in your questions. We'll have an opportunity for us to be able to engage with those. And so, for those of you watching on our live stream, feel free to send those in. We would love to be able to walk through, again, what is this thing called purpose and how do we understand it? And the first point I want to make is this. Our purpose must be rooted in Christ. If you have a bulletin with you this morning, you can take some notes and engage with this, but there are no shortage of places where we can turn as a culture to seek purpose. Just spend five minutes in a chapters and you will be inundated with an overwhelming sense of literature, of genres that are trying to help you understand what is your purpose. Now, I'm a bit of an analog guy in a very select few areas. I'm pretty much digital with most of my life, but when it comes down to books... I just love that sense of taste and smell and taste, feel. <laughs> That's weird. I just can't get around that Kindle e-reader thing. And I think that when you get that book and when you begin to understand what it says, you begin to understand a bit more. Let me get into the scriptures here. I want to look at the Old Testament story of Moses for a second here. Because when we look at many people in the scriptures, I think sometimes we forget that they're actual people. I think sometimes when we look at the scriptures, case in point, the life of Moses, there were many times in Moses' life, and we looked and we even sung of it, of this, again, this miraculous work that the Lord does through Moses' life, the parting of the Red Sea. But there were many times in Moses' life where he felt in his own soul this keen sense of inadequacy. Moses said to the Lord in Exodus 4.10, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. If I were to ask you, what do you feel is the purpose? What was the purpose of Moses' life? Many of you might say, well, it was to free the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. But if you go a little bit further in the book of Exodus, if you find yourself in Exodus 9.16, there's this verse that leapt out at the page as I was reading through that chapter earlier this week. 
It says this, the Lord speaking, but I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. And so while, yes, freeing the Israelites from bondage was a massive undertaking and an incredible, miraculous moment of the Lord's work in and through Moses' life, what the Lord says here and what he begins to help us recognize through this story and through many others in the scriptures is this purpose. Moses clearly showed what God was capable of doing, but God also desired that Moses would tell and proclaim of his name. This concept of my name comes from the Hebrew word Shem, which also translates as renown or fame. And so he's not just asking Moses to make his name great, but to make his glory and his fame, his renown, that the desire of the Lord in Moses' life, and I believe the desire of the Lord for our lives, is to make his goodness, his renown, his fame, his glory, the desire of our hearts and the purpose of our lives. Look at the story of Peter in the New Testament. I find great strength from the story of Peter. Maybe it's because he was one of those disciples who was kind of less than perfect. He didn't always kind of have it all figured out. But he was one of the first to be invited to be a disciple. He was a bit outspoken and loud, and maybe that's why I resonate with him so well, but he was present for many of the miracles that Christ performed. And we see evident in Peter's life a purpose, understood and experienced only by being rooted in Christ. Open up your Bibles. Uh, We're going to spend a little bit of a moment here in Matthew 16, verses 13 to 18. I love this interaction here. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? And this interaction that Jesus has with Peter here, Peter replies this, he says, well, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I love this dialogue because Jesus is there kind of casually kind of pulling this out of his disciples. Who do they say I am? Who do others say I am? And it begs us to ask the question, who do we say he is? In the conversations that we have, in the dialogues that take place with our families, with our friends, with our coworkers, are we making his name great? Are we sharing of his goodness and his fame and his glory? Who do we say he is? What comes from our lips? How do we live out that purpose? Now, Peter was far from perfect. He made a number of mistakes. But even though he would claim to follow Christ for all the days of his lives, and then a few days later get rebuked by Christ for denying him three times, I believe Peter begins to understand his purpose in Christ, of who he was to be. This mouthpiece, this messenger, this herald of the good news of the gospel, making known what Christ has accomplished. And I think as we look at these people in the scriptures, as we begin to understand they begin to understand their purpose, and I believe we do too. Because God, I believe, is far more interested in who they are becoming 
He's far more interested in who we are becoming than simply just the things that we do. God's not just there checking the boxes and making sure we do all the right things, but God is interested in who we are becoming and who we are becoming in Christ. And so as we ask this question of understanding our purpose, as we wrestle with this big existential moment of who we are and what on earth are we here for, the question probably gets asked more than often, how do we discover our purpose? If we are to have our purpose in Christ, if our lives are to be rooted in him, making known the good news of the gospel, making his name great, then how do we discover our purpose? How do we discover what God is asking for us to do beyond simply even making his name great? And I believe that that is discovered in community. I believe our purpose is discovered in community because that is one of those experiences that is the hallmark of the church. This beautiful opportunity that we have to gather together as followers of Jesus to, as scripture says, sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. Because if you look upon our culture, you begin to recognize that the God of our culture is the self. But the God of our culture is to worship oneself, that we are the sum and substance of all that we need in order to do what we need to do in life. But I think when we look at the scriptures, as we look at how do we understand our purpose for our lives, I believe that it is discovered in community. I want to walk us through a few key scriptures here that help us to understand that I think well this morning. Proverbs 13.30, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Gary helped us understand well last week this idea of wisdom, that it's not simply just this pursuit of intellect, of intelligence, of data, but that our lives should be marked by wisdom, wisdom that we begin to receive and understand because of a proximity that we have to God, a closeness that we have in him. Hebrews 10.25 teaches us, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Again, the author of Hebrews acknowledges this importance of not giving up meeting together. If there has been one thing, church, that we have lacked, that we have longed for more than anything, I think, in these last few years, it has been this beauty and blessing of being together. That there is just something special about this about being a part of this, of seeing you walk through those doors, of seeing your faces here in this space. And for those of you who are worshiping on our live stream, again, we recognize that this is a comfort thing, that there are a lot of challenges sometimes in this, but there is a beauty of being together, and we should not give that up. Romans 12, 4 and 5 reminds us, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. One of the crazy things about being a part of the church is we don't do this alone. That what we are is a body, that each one of us has a part to play, a role to play. We belong to one another that we are involved in each other's lives in a way in which we actually affect and engage and experience what others experience. That this proximity that we have of being together allows us the opportunity to speak into one another, to pray with one another, to weep with one another, to rejoice with one another. Because we recognize that we are a body and that each part needs the other. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly 
as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I love what Paul is writing here to the church in Colossae. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Dwell among you richly. So when I was 19, I was given the keys to my church. Might be a crazy thing. But I had this incredible opportunity when I was 19. At the blessing of our lead pastor, our youth and young adults pastor, to be given the keys to my church. And and I mean, it's just one of those things I look back upon and it almost blows my mind to think that a church would just give me the capacity to have the keys to the church and the code to the alarm box. But it was this opportunity that the church gave me because they began to see something. And I had this opportunity for this year. I was out of school. I was working for WestJet at the time, uh, enjoying the beauty of flying everywhere across the country for $8.56, because that's how much it cost back then to fly for WestJet if you worked for them. But I was given this opportunity, given these keys. And so what I did, along with a couple of our friends, is we began to launch a young adults worship night. I began to meet with our lead pastor. I began to meet with our youth and young adults pastor. I began to even hang out in the evenings with Hank, the church custodian. Because it was this opportunity that I had just to glean from others what they had experienced in their life and how they understood God to speak. And how they began to help me in my young adolescent years begin to recognize my purpose. You see, again, when Paul says to the church in Colossae, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, I believe that is such a beautiful example of what it means to be the body, what it means to be the church, that this message of Jesus, this hope, this life-giving gospel dwells among us richly. So it begs the question, what is the message of Christ? Well, it's to love God. It's to love others. It's to serve. It's to worship. It's to live out the gospel in word and in deed, just how our incredible team from Serve did this past week in Nelson. And Chris, it's great to see you here. I can't believe you're even awake after what you just went through with that incredible week of students. And the message of Christ is to be experienced and expressed how? Among us. Not with this sense of just entitlement or individualism, not out of this sense of isolation, but that we are to experience this message of Christ together to teach one another to admonish one another, to correct, to rebuke, to worship with gratitude that we recognize that what we do, we do in the sense of community. I've been often asked, how did you know that you were called to be a pastor? And and to be honest, I don't think I really figured that out on myself, on my own. I don't think it was me who really began to recognize this calling in my life, it was others. It was through that year of essentially living at my church, worshiping, serving, being involved in community that others began to recognize something in me. And the only way I feel they were able to recognize that was because of the proximity and intensity of that year. That the more that I spent with them, the more that I spent in community, the more that we spend together, the more we begin to recognize the work of the Lord in one another the more that we begin to recognize what God is doing, what God is saying to each one of us, and that because of that proximity and because of that relationship, we have that freedom to be able to speak, to affirm, to acknowledge, to challenge, and to inspire one another to the work of the Lord that he is doing in our midst because we are in Christian community together, because we are the body, the church. So what does this mean for us? Well, 
I think it means a few things. It means, first and foremost, I believe that we need to be in community. I believe the devil has played a trick on us these last few years thinking that we can do this Christian life alone. But we can't. We need each other. I need you. We need one another. And so one of the best ways I think we can experience and understand what the Lord is saying to us, how we understand our purpose in life is through community. So be in a community group. Join a community group. Better yet, start a community group and recognize the blessing that that is to be in life together. The second thing I think we need to do is go to youth group. Go to young adults group. Be involved in ministry where others will be able to come alongside you and speak life into you. To mentor you. And that's my third one. Find a mentor. Find someone who will be able to speak life into you, who will walk with you, beside you, speaking words of truth and hope into your life. Someone will say, here's the keys to the church. Let's do life and follow Jesus together. And the last thing I think we need to do is this, is we need to go to church. And better yet, we need to be the church. We need to recognize that we are called to bless one another, to disciple one another, to love one another and serve one another. All of these things that happen in proximity together as the body. The church is the hope of the world. We are that church. And just like as Jesus has this conversation with Peter saying, who do you say I am? Who do others say I am? When we have that opportunity in the spheres of influence that we work and live and play and do life in, who do we say he is? Do we see our purpose in life as not just one who simply comes to church and then goes and does our own thing, but that we recognize that God is asking of each one of us to make his name great? That when we are asked, who do people say I am? That we say, he is my Lord, my Savior. The God whom I love, whom I serve, that I find great joy and strength and satisfaction in. And that because of that, we love to be together. To worship and to sing. I want to pause here and take a few moments for Q&R as we, uh, again, just understand this whole idea of, of what does it mean to be in community. So I'll invite Reese, um, I'll invite the worship team uh, to come up back on stage here. Uh, but we want to engage with this. We want to wrestle with this idea of, of how do we begin to discover our purpose. And as I said, we're going to flesh this out a little bit more next Sunday as well as we look at this in a few practical terms. But I recognize in our lives... that this may be one of the hardest things to understand, the hardest things to grapple with, this idea of what do I do with all of these years of all of this life that the Lord has given to me. But I think the important thing for us is to recognize that what we are called to, our purpose, the plan that the Lord has is this, to be the church, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Any questions here in the audience, if not through the iPad, if not, we will... All right. We'll talk about it more next week. As we wrap up this morning and just as the worship team begins to lead us in worship, I wanted to end with this. I was watching a sermon uh, this past week. A friend of mine who's a pastor here in Calgary uh, was preaching on, on a similar topic. It had a little bit of a kind of similarity to this, but I was watching him and he had these words to say. And we'll wrestle with this again next week, but he said these words in his sermon and it just stuck with me. We are saved to serve. We are saved to serve. Just let those words just kind of percolate in your spirit for a moment here this morning. How good is that? That we are saved 
to serve, that what the Lord is asking of our lives, if we want to understand what is our purpose, what is the plan that the Lord has, that perhaps it's to serve. That what the Lord would ask of us is to live our lives on purpose, on mission, to make his name great. This is our purpose, I believe. And we're going to talk about that again next week. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you that you speak. I thank you, Lord, that you desire for us to be in community. Not just doing church, but being the church. Lord, that you have called us and saved us with a purpose to serve, to serve you, to serve one another, to go out from these walls with a purpose and a mission to make your name great. That your glory and your fame, Lord, would be the desire of our hearts. That when others ask us, who is this Jesus? That, Lord, you would give us the boldness and confidence to make that, to declare that, and to rejoice that you are our Lord and our Savior. And so thank you, Father, for the work that you are doing in and through our hearts this morning. As we go from here, let's go living lives of purpose with your power, Holy Spirit, at work in and through us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. commit to give our lives to our God.